This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This episode is being recorded the week of Thanksgiving, being released Thanksgiving evening. So whether you are listening to it that first day or you're catching it a few days later, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, that the 2020 situation didn't get things down too much and that whether things looked relatively normal or things were very altered, that you were able to enjoy your day. And as I mentioned last week, that uh, maybe you mix some fishing into these next coming days. Go ahead and fix yourself some leftovers, head outside, and get on the water, even if it's just for a little bit of time, and talk about how wonderful it was, and talk about how you're thinking that this may very well be a new Thanksgiving fly fishing tradition for you and anybody else who you brought with you. Well, I know that a lot of folks like fishing in November, December, January. I personally love it, but at the same time, my fishing uh, quantity reduces during these months, especially living in New England. Back when I was living in the Mid-Atlantic, it was really no different. It was uh, as many days as I could be out, I would be out. But I know that whether it is where you live or your stage of life or even the type of fishing that you enjoy doing, there's a good chance that even if you have made a Thanksgiving tradition about getting out on the water, that there is a, a good chance across the board that you're going to be fishing less in, in uh, December, January, February. So this is a great time to take inventory of what you have. Uh, it is a great time to uh, make sure your rods are in working order, clean up those those uh, lines, go through all of your gear, get rid of the stuff that's gunky and old, and especially with Christmas coming up, uh, figure out what you need, and uh, whether it be taking advantage of sales or putting things on your list, do all of that. But one particular area that I want to touch on uh, this podcast is waders. Looking at your waders, fixing your waders, and then even uh, potentially buying a new pair of waders, what to look for. So what I want to talk about first is fixing your waders. Now, 
obviously you want waiters to work completely. You don't want waiters to work uh, at 75%. You don't want waiters to work at 50%. Uh, you really don't even want waiters to work at 95%. I've had pinhole leaks that uh, a day on the water, I'll have a wet spot, uh, you know, that the size of my thigh um, from just a pinhole leak and that, that fabric moving, even if it's double or triple layered, that moisture will get through and you have certain postures and positions, especially if you have a, um, the, the fabric bunches up in that one spot or kind of folds over, it just lets the water in at a remarkable rate. So you do not want your waders to have any sort of failures. So inspect them, take a look at them. See if there's something that's weakening because it is always better to proactively fix a problem than reactively fix a problem. So I like to do this with, with my waders. Now, I know some people have multiple sets of waders, especially if you do a lot of warm weather fishing and a lot of cold weather fishing. And when you do cold weather fishing, you don't move around a lot. But I've talked about before that I personally like to have one really nice pair of waders and fish in them year round. When I'm not wet wading, I'm wearing this one pair of waders because as great as neoprene is, and as, as much as I have appreciated it uh, when I was younger, and that was the only pair of waders I had and I could afford, uh, having breathable waders in the wintertime is just better because they breathe. As you work up a sweat, as you walk from your car to your stream, when you're bundled up like the Michelin Man, you're going to want that moisture to go somewhere, and neoprene doesn't allow it to go somewhere, so it just stays on your body. You might have the nicest wicking fabrics possible, but then that moisture is still going to be in between your clothes and the waders, and it is not going to uh, make you warm. Let's just say that. But anyway, all that to say, I, I like having one nice pair of breathable waders. So what I like to do at the end of every season is just lay them out, Give them a quick visual inspection, see if there's anything that stands out, even if it's a stain. You know, you don't want it to be something like mold because you had them uh, wadded up in your waiter bag or they were folded over in your garage and they had something nasty on them. Stuff like that, if you catch it within a first few months, assuming you're not living in some weird tropical climate, you just taking a brush and some warm uh, water and some detergent to it, it's going to come right off and it's not going to be a problem. But if it sits there too long, then it's going to potentially degrade the surface and uh, cause some problems. May even uh, impact the the breathability or the the water repellent nature of that fabric. So give things a once over, clean them up, and then look at your seams. Now a lot of waders these days have taped seams, which is great. Uh, in fact, you it's not the seam itself that usually fails on a taped seam; it's the tape. So you have the seam, which is stitched usually, and then you have a a taped piece of fabric over top of it, and that is sealed on through any any number of ways. I'm I'm certainly not an expert when it comes to uh, uh, fabric, especially breathable fabrics, but the, these uh, taped seams are covering the seam itself, and so it is an extra level of protection. So see if that's coming up in any places, or if the material that runs adjacent to the edge of the seam uh, is is at all worn down. Because I find more often than not, if you are careful with your gear, you know, you're not trying to jump over barbed wire fences and you're not sliding around on your knees, the failures are not going to come from pinpricks and from running into stuff. And they're not even necessarily going to come from, like I said, falling down or things like that, where you're going to see a lot of wear is where that fabric doubles over and creates a crease, especially if you're using maybe an, an older material or a multi-layered wader. So, you, you know, a lot of these waders, especially in high wear points, shins, knees, your rear end, places like that, they're going to be two or three layers of this breathable fabric. And when it folds over, 
you know, just like a piece of paper. A piece of paper will get sharp when you fold it and create a crease and an edge. But that's also, if you continue to crease it over and over again, what happens to the paper? It's going to wear, it's going to fray, and eventually it's going to get a hole in it. So depending on your shape, depending on your size, depending on how those waders fit you, then they may develop these creases. And I've seen it before where I don't think I've had any fail in this way, but I've had them where I can absolutely tell either from the inside or from the outside that they are starting to wear down. And so that's where maybe proactive step of putting a patch on could be helpful. If that's the only problem spot in an entire pair of waders, then that's a great solution before it even starts leaking to be able to put a patch on. We'll talk about patches here in a second. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a related note, um, I would suggest people notice that when they are trying on waders. Again, we're all different shapes and sizes, and these days, certain brands and certain manufacturers will come out with uh, multiple sizes for each of their wader lines. I remember at one point in time, um, Orvis had like 18 sizes for men, um, and, and now we have specialty labels that cater just to women, and there's all sorts of different options that are out there. But when you go on and try on your waders, and just trust me, save yourself the headache, go try on the waders, and then hopefully buy it from that store. Don't go try it on and, and then go buy it from somewhere else, but especially if you're going to a fly shop. If you're going to a big box store, I really don't think there's any ethical issues with trying them on and then just walking out and ordering them um, online, but especially if you're going to a mom and pop fly shop, go in, try them on, and notice where those stress points are. If you're a little bit short or a little bit tall, a little bit wide, a little bit thin, and where that fabric cinches up happens to be at a seam, then that might not be the best pair of waders for you, especially if you plan on fishing a lot, because that is where they will fail. So you want the, the stress points, so your knees, your rear end, and then even places like your hips and where that fabric buckles like above your tops of your wading boots, you want to make sure that that's not happening on seams because that repetitive motion is going to wear down any fabric and it's especially going to wear down a seam. So that's just a, a little kind of buying uh, tip that I have always uh, considered being valuable and I've always kind of talked people through, especially if they're between two sizes. You know, you obviously don't want something that's too constricting and too tight, but you also don't want it to be too baggy such that it starts to double over on itself and fold and crease. Not only is that going to be uncomfortable, not only are you going to have a lot of drag in the water and you might say, well, that sounds ridiculous. You're making a lot out of nothing, but it's true. If you're waiting and you're waiting in fast water to have a lot of extra fabric hanging off of your legs, hanging off of your thighs or your calves, it's, you're going to feel it. And for some folks, that's the difference between wanting to wait out and wanting to, to stay on the bank. So that's something to consider. It just how do they fit and then where, where do they fit? And that might mean completely switching from one brand to another. It might mean the difference between one series from one manufacturer and another series. A lot of times it's bells and whistles that you're paying for within a particular label's different series of waders. Uh, how many pouches does it have? What kind of fancy shoulder straps are there? Um, is there an integrated belt? How many layers are there on the knees? And some of those things may very well matter more than anything else for you. But again, from, from my perspective, I think one of the things to look at if, if you're wanting to have longevity is how they fit you, not just for comfort, but also for safety and then also for wear and tear. Okay, back to the inspection. So you're looking at the just a, a quick once over of the entire 
waiter. You're looking at any dirty spots, any spots that look worn. You're looking at the seams. I would say that it's also very important to look at the seam between the booty, the, the neoprene booty, and the, the leg of the waiters. Uh, I would check out things like the pockets. I have, I, I use the pockets on my waiters. I don't always use them for storing fishing stuff, but that's always where my keys and my cell phone go. Um, I figure that they're the safest if they're in that pocket and they're, they're most easily accessible. Um, so I'm pulling on it a lot. I actually snapped the little rubber uh, dongle off of the zipper on my waiter uh, pouch front pocket last season. And that was a pain in the rear end to fix, but I did it. But I also noticed that the seam for the pocket was what was coming apart. So I had to go in and fix that. Now, again, if water got in the pocket, it wouldn't be the end of the world from a staying dry standpoint. But if I'm trying to keep my cell phone and my keys, which have those you know electric little key fobs on there dry, then that is something worth fixing. And I would say the same thing. If you're torquing on those and stuffing them full of stuff all the time, that's a spot, even if it's high up on your chest, that you want to make sure is not causing wear at some of those stress points. Because again, you don't want to get wet. You don't want your stuff to get wet either. So that's another place to check. Same thing if you are a certain shape or you wear your waders a certain way, check the attachment points for the suspenders. So the pair of waders that I'm fishing most now, they actually don't really even attach to the top. So the, the, the fabric or the hem that goes you know around your chest and under your armpits, these actually attach primarily at the waist. And it allows you to pop them uh, free from the suspenders and they drop down and you still have suspenders holding your, your waders up. There's just a uh, loose fabric that's now kind of bunched up around your waist. And so for me, I look at the inside there to make sure I've, I'm not you know, pulling on anything too much and it's going to cause a problem from the inside. So I would say the same thing, turn your waders inside out, make sure there's nothing nasty in there. I always find like strike indicators and little bits of monofilament and maybe a, a, some some just trash, you know, grass or whatever in there. Um, clean them out. Give them a nice cleaning. And so that's what I would say would be the next step. If you don't see, have any visual inspection uh, issues, then go ahead and give them just a gentle cleaning with warm water, a very, very diluted portion of dish soap. And also, you know, look at the, the manufacturer's recommendations. If they say, you know, use this, use that, then use those things. But I just use a very diluted version of dish soap, especially because that is going to get some of the grease and grime and nastiness off if you've got, you know, pine sap or uh, something like that on your uh, your leg or in your rear end of your waders. Then let them dry. Let them dry. Hang them up and let them do their thing. Don't store them somewhere that's going to get way too cold. And similarly, in the summertime, don't store them somewhere there. They're going to be too hot. But with a little bit of care, waders should last you a long time. Uh, unless you are very careless or you just don't care and you don't mind spending $300 every other year, then there's no reason why a pair of waders shouldn't last you a long time. The way they're built these days, they're built to last. I think that... For all the criticism and fly fishing and other stuff that's out there about products being designed to fail, we've hit a good spot where wader manufacturers are building things to last. That's my perspective, both on the products I've used and from conversations I've had with people, that most wader failures are kind of catastrophic. And 
I know that a lot of people have bad experiences with this brand or that brand. There's one particular label. My goodness, I had three replacement pairs. And on the third one, uh, I, I could sense something happening. And so I just said, I'm done. You know, after two times out in this, this third pair, I said, I'm, going, I'm done. Just, you know, store credit. We'll start over. And, you know, lo and behold, they stopped making that particular type of waiter because they were, I think they were too ambitious. They're trying to get cute with the bells and the whistles and, and the doodads and the fit and all that sort of stuff. But a nice, solid pair of waiters from one of the reputable manufacturers, you know, that is going to last you a long time if you take care of it. So now let's talk about damage. What happens when you have a problem? So if you tear your waiter, um, then there's a lot of things that you can do. Only the most colossal rips can't be repaired. And virtually every repair can be made streamside for the normal small punctures and things like that. All you need is the right stuff properly applied. So um, I recently punched a hook through a pair of waders, right through my waist. It was a big clouser. I was out standing on rocks on the surf and the wind kicked up and it turned things kind of sideways and that cast went right back into me. And so I'm glad it was my torso and not something else, but that clouser with big dumbbell eyes went right into my chest and that hook went right through my waders. So how did I repair it? Well, I used uh, Loon's UV waiter repair. So there's a lot of different goops and goos and gunks and sealants that are out there. I like Loon's UV waiter repair because it cures instantaneously, assuming that you have a tiny little UV light. And in their kit, they sell a UV waiter repair kit, and it has the um, the the compound and it has the light. And it's a very very small little UV light. It's, it's not the kind of light that you'd want on your fly tying bench because it's little. Um, it's the size of like a like a double A battery, um, but it's good enough for making a quick waiter repair. So. What you do with this stuff, and again, this is just a, a faster version of using a tube of, of sealant, um, is you put some on one side of that hole. Well, first of all, you clean it, especially if you're fishing the salt water or if you're muddy, you're going to clean it off. And if you're on the stream and you do this, it's okay. Just get in the water, get a little bit on your hand, rub, 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 and then take your sleeve or something that's dry and dry it off and apply some of the stuff. Now, if you're using the UV way to repair, then you hit it with the light. Hit it from all different angles. Make sure every little bit of it gets covered up. Make sure it's smooth and that there's no lip on the edges. And hit it with that UV light, and it's going to cure up. If that's not the case, a lot of them will have a little bit of sealant, and then they'll have effectively a fabric Band-Aid you put over top of it. Same concept. I like using the, the UV stuff, A, because it, it cures so fast, but then also... I don't have a an eyesore, and there's a little bit of vanity in my fishing gear. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But secondly, it's totally smooth. If you apply the UV resin well, you are sparing with it, and you, you put it on in a nice, even manner, it's going to be a smooth little, uh, slightly translucent bump. It's not going to be a big thing with edges to it. And edges, especially if not properly applied, if done streamside, they are going to catch on things. And now you're going to just tear that little fabric bandaid off. Is it the worst thing in the world? No. But that's kind of what separates the sealant and fabric bandaid versus the UV in my mind. And then what you want to do is the exact same thing on the inside of your waders. So this is where you might have to take your waders off if you're streamside and be standing there in whatever your undergarments of choice are. But exact same process. Clean it, 
dry it, and then apply the, the sealant, and then either hit it with a UV or put that little fabric band-aid over top of it. And that is going to do great for you. So this is why I also say always have this stuff handy. I have two pockets in my waders. I've got the exterior pocket, and that is where I uh, keep my phone and my keys, as I mentioned earlier. And then the internal pocket is where I always have something to fix my waders. I don't want to count on remembering to move it from this vest to this pack to, to whatever to make sure I have that little tube of sealant and that little UV light. I want to make sure I always have it on me. So it stays in my waders all the time. I don't need it at home. I don't need it in a, in, a, in a sling pack that's hanging up somewhere. I need it on the water with me. Don't leave it in the car. Leave it on the water with me. And so I would also say, I feel like I've added a lot of caveats, but I think this is important. Make sure you take it out when you wash your waders. As I mentioned earlier, I did that recently. I went uh, in the salt, and I think it was the same exact trip. Um, I had a different waiter repair kit. I think it was the one that came with my waders, and it was in that internal pocket. And it was in a little Ziploc baggie, but I submerged those waders to rinse all the salt off them before I made that repair, and that little baggie was not waterproof. And so my little um, fabric patches that came with those waders got uh, wet and they were useless. So not a big deal. I could replace it all for a few bucks. But again, I like using the UV stuff anyway. So that is the best case scenario. Now, if it's a bigger rip, if it's a bigger rip, you can kind of do the same thing. Um, but if it's an emergency, you know what really works well? Flex tape. So we've all seen flex seal on TV. It's where you can take a screen door and cover it with the stuff and then, you know, row it across the, the pond. Um, the flex tape, it's just really heavy duty duct tape and it creates a seal that's painful to remove if you happen to get it off of your uh, skin, but it's not going to make your waders look good. But in a pinch, this will fix your waders up. Um, I've seen a foot and a half long tear in someone's waders get fixed up by flex seal and they, they tore their waders like three days into a seven day trip. And so the flex tape fixed them up. Um, 13 bucks for a four foot section of this stuff. It's not a bad idea to have that on hand, especially if you're going to be, you know, at the cabin or just to have in your garage in case you do have something catastrophic. This is not the kind of thing you're going to carry on the water with you, but if you have it in your garage, you can come home to it. Then you can at least make that repair when, uh, when you need to, and you're not, uh, forced to sit out for the next coming weeks until you uh, hop online and buy a replacement or send your waders back for repair. So there you go. A couple of tips on waiter maintenance, a couple of tips on waiter repair, and even a few things that have to do with buying a pair of waders. This week on castingacross.com, Monday's article was called Holiday Fly Fishing Gift Guide. I talked about why I do this every year in last week's podcast. So if you uh, have a desire to have a justification for putting up a dozen or so products, then definitely go back and listen to that one. But if not, if you just want to get into it and find some good stuff, then go to castingcross.com, Holiday Fly Fishing Gift Guide. The products start at under $10.00 for a couple of specialty food items and some other small fly fishing stuff, and they go all the way up to over $600 for complete rod, reel, line, tippet, and fly outfits. 
a lot of stuff in between. And uh, the majority of things are under 100 bucks. And so uh, just check it out. Some great brands, some of the usual suspects on castingacross.com, as well as some new companies and some new products. So definitely give that one a look and let me know if uh, you plan to give or plan to receive any of those things. Uh, and uh, if you do, then let those companies know that you heard about them on castingacross.com. And then Wednesday's article is my November contribution to Trout and Feather, and it is called a gift guide for the, quote, hard to shop for, unquote, fly fisher. You say two gift guides in one week, the consumerism and the commercialism uh, has overtaken casting across. Uh, I'm through with it. Well, I'm sure you're not saying that, but uh, just wait. Even if you're starting to think that, just wait. Head over to Trout and Feather, and you can get a link to that on my Wednesday post, along with some other fun stuff from Trout and Feather, some fly-tying things. Uh, And you'll realize that this is a little bit of a different gift guide, a little tongue-in-cheek, a little bit uh, humorous. So definitely head over there, look at that, and make sure you are subscribed to Trout and Feather. Very good fly-tying content. This week's recommendation on the podcast, I'm just going to actually double back to my wader repair gear of choice and that is the loon outdoors uv wader repair so you can buy the little uv nano light they call it it's twenty dollars and the uv wader repair for 850 so 2850 you're you're in for a little light and a little tube of wader repair kit or for 33 bucks you also get a tube of uv not sense uv not sense now I actually leave this stuff at home. I use it when I am proactively tying new nail knots from my uh, line to my leader, or if I am tying saltwater rigs and I just give them a quick little um, once over with this UV knot sense and then hit them with that with a UV light, whether it's this one or, or the bigger one I have on my tying bench. But uh, it's a cool little product to smooth over some of those bigger, bulkier knots. It's great for, again, that that integral uh, line to leader knot, but also some bigger, bulkier knots that you might have uh, further down your leader, especially if you're tying with some thicker monofilament or fluorocarbon. But again, for 33 bucks, you get the light and you get the two tubes and put the UV wader repair and a little nano light in a tiny waterproof bag, throw that in your wader pocket, and you will be good to go whether you are at home or on the stream. Thank you for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'm the old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.